The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Starting a brand new series, and today we're going to launch into uh, talking about, this is the title that I gave it, uh, if God is good, then what's up with this? Anybody ever heard someone talk, 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 talk like that? You know, I mean, if God is good, what's up with this? Usually when we have, you know, a mess going on around us and we have things going wrong, I mean, it's like, yeah, I know God is good, but man, what's up with this? And uh, sometimes we don't get the, the correct answer to that question, what's up with this? And so we're going to try and help each other, you know, get the right answer so we can grow in our faith, so we can... Uh, you know, be in a, in a place where we really are thriving. This is what God's will is for uh, you and I, it is to thrive. And so, just a word of caution, you know, what I'm getting ready to preach to you has got to mean to travel at different places at different times because people really hold on to their wrong uh, uh, perception of God and, you know, the, who He is and so on and so forth. I remember in 2013, I was preaching at a church in... Uh, uh, San Diego, and uh, as soon as I finished preaching what I'm going to be preaching today, uh, there was a lady who was waiting for me by the door, and as I, w- I was about to walk out, she says, preach, I want to talk to you. I said, what's up? She said, you know, I heard everything you said, and I know that God is good, but, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that nothing happens uh, except that which he allows to happen. And I said, well, if that's what you believe, that, you know, would form a part of your belief system, but you won't find it in Scripture. You won't find a verse that says, you know, uh, only the things that God wants to happen are the ones that are going to happen. I said, I asked her, I said, if you thought about the power of choice that God has given us, there are some things that we choose uh, that God didn't intend for us to to, to have, but we, we choose. I mean, case in point, uh, we have a gentleman in the Old Testament called Jonah. Uh, what the Lord wanted him to do was to go to where? To uh, Nineveh, and he decided he was going to go to where? To Tashit. Now, the, 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 you know, the Lord had given him the power to choose, and he decided he was going to use it to choose the wrong thing, the opposite thing, the thing that went against God's will, and God allowed it, you know, but God didn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, really encourage him to do that, and he chose to go to Tashik, and as he was going to Tashik, there was a storm in the boat, and, you know, things went crazy. They had to throw him out of the boat to save the people in there. God had a fish prepared for him, and I say all of this to say... I say all of this to say that, you know, even in our own personal lives, sometimes when things go bad, you know, just sometimes it could be because we are choosing uh, something that's contrary to what God has chosen for our lives. Amen? I mean, talk about Tashik and Nineveh. God's will for you could be to marry Brother Tashik, right? Brother Nineveh. No, Brother Nineveh. And then you decide to marry Brother Tashik, and that marriage will have some storms. There's always going to be storms. And you can turn around and say, it's the Lord's will. But we all know it's not the Lord's will. It's brother, it's brother Tashik that you, you, you married. Can I get an amen? And so there's a choice in the matter. This is why the Bible says in, uh, 
in Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19, God speaking, he says, I, I want you to record this day. He says, I want you to record this day. And then he went on to say this. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What did he say after that? You choose life so that you and your seed may what? May live. And so God has given us the power to choose. It's one thing that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. It is the power to choose. Human beings can make choices. Uh, the animal kingdom, they can't make choices. They live uh, based on instinct. And you and I, you know, we, this is why birds have been making the same bird nest since eons. But human beings' houses have evolved. You know, we, we started in, in caves. We went to mud huts. Now we have, I mean, 100-story buildings you know, all over the place. And so this is very important uh, uh, for us to realize that, you know, God is sovereign, but sovereign does not mean omni-control. Did you hear what I said? You know, because some people come and they say, oh, you are that bunch that don't believe that God is sovereign. No, I believe that God is sovereign. And sovereign simply means this. It means God has autonomy. He doesn't need you or me to be God. God was not voted in. He is God, washes all by himself. God has independence. He is independent. God is self-governing. He has self-rule. I'm talking about the definitions of sovereign. He has self-determination, home rule, and freedom. And none of the definitions of the word sovereign say God is an omni-control. You know, there's a section in the body of Christ that believe that every single thing that happened in your life was controlled by God, and God brought it to pass. Now, now, if, if, if everything, I mean, if we were human robots, they don't realize we're human beings. If God controlled every single thing, how come he can't get you to church on time? <laughs> oh, yeah, but we'll leave, we won't preach about that. We won't, we, you know, we'll leave that. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> but, but this, 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 philosophy, the Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man and after rudiments uh, of the world and not after Christ. Now, a wrong philosophy on who God is and the true nature of God will get you to live a defeated life. Now, if you believe that nothing happens except that which God has willed and sickness happen in your life, you're not going to fight it because after all, it came from God Almighty. I don't want to fight God. And so this doctrine is dangerous and it has rendered people powerless. People don't realize that Jesus died and gave them authority to fight back. The Bible tells us to, to learn to fight the good fight of what? Of faith. So there is a place uh, uh, in it for us to fight against some of these things. Now, this doctrine, you know, didn't come into the church until about 400 A.D., and uh, it was a gentleman called uh, St. Augustine who started preaching it. And uh, this is what he said. I need to uh, look it up. I wrote it down. I wrote what he said. And I just need to, to find it in my notes. Uh, this is what he said. He said, uh, nothing happens unless God wills it to happen. Nothing happens unless God wills it to happen, which is not true. 
This is why we pray, we study the word and step into faith. It is so that we can effect God's will in our lives. God's will over our lives is not automatic. This is why even when we pray the uh, 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 believer's prayer, right, the Lord's prayer, what do we say? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus talking about us evangelizing the world, he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest may send laborers into the field. And so this is why we have to pray, because we have a part to play in the matter. God will not budge into your life, watch this, uninvited. And so some of the things that happen in your life are not God's will. It's just a cop-out. And so uh, after, you know, St. Augustine said this, it kind of died, this doctrine, and then it was uh, reignited by a gentleman called John Calvin, uh, that's why it's called Calvinism. That's, what, that's where we get the word Calvinism. Uh, the gentleman called John Calvin in the 1500s, he said this. He said, all events are governed by God's secret plan. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? He said, oh, not some. He said, all events. So if I left today and I went to Nando's to get myself a quarter chicken, all events are governed by... God's secret plan. If I go crazy and start, start eating crazy and I put on uh, an extra 50 pounds, 50 kgs on my body and I start hurting my back. All events are governed by God's secret plan. If, 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 if I went uh, in the night and I, and, I, and I drank alcohol and I got behind the steering wheel and I went and I had a head-on collision and I killed a family that was coming from a vacation. All events. What's the secret plan? And so they believe that everything that happens, and watch this, it totally exonerates the devil from his maneuvers because he's doing something in the earth today. And watch this, it also totally exonerates us from our stupidity because we're doing something crazy also. Can I get an amen? And so not all events are governed by God's secret plan. Some things are influenced by the devil. And some, some things are influenced. If you read in Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19, let's, let's go read it in the, in the NLT, if you will. Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 30, verse 19. I want, I want to show you something. Deuteronomy, I call heaven and earth uh, to this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you choose, choose life that you or thou and thy seed may live. Now watch what it says in verse 20 in the NLT. Let, let's get verse 20 in the NLT. It says, you can make this choice by doing that, by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Firmly committing to God, his will and his decisions and his plan for your life, not yours. I remember um, uh, maybe 14, 15 years ago, you know, I, I got a job and I started earning a little bit of money. And the first thing I did with that money was I went to a car dealership and I said to them, you know, I went and I picked the one that I wanted. I mean, that thing was shiny, gloss, and so on and so forth. And uh, th there was one little problem. It, it was taking away 70% of my salary. I mean, that thing was eating my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner, and my snack. The children's snack. It was eating everything. Now, I could have turned around and said, all things are secretly governed by God's secret plan. No, that was no God's secret plan. That was 
stupidity and bad financial management. I mean, I was living off of water and bread, but I was boiling. You see me in William Nicole, you thought I was something. No money, no money in the pocket, but tweet, tweet, ooh, yes. And it occurred to me that I was doing something that was outside of God's plan. And so what did I do? I went and I turned it back in, in humility. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty end of... It's a verse. If you do, he will lift you up. I went and I went and I bought something for a thousand rand a month, because that's where I was. Amen? And so not all things are secretly uh, governed by, by, by God. And so when I was in, you know, in high school, I think I may have been grade 8, uh, I had a good friend of mine. His name was Kevin Dangarembizi. He got sick and he died. And so I went to the funeral, and the pastor got up to preach, and he said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it tormented me for years after that. He said, this is what the pastor said. All of us boys were at the funeral, wearing our school uniforms, carrying that car. You don't know what, you, man, it, it, it'll mess you up. And the pastor got up and said, the Lord likes to take the good ones. And so he wanted an extra flower in heaven. I decided that day that I wasn't going to be any good boy any longer. <laughs> Say the Lord takes the good. I said, no, I don't want to go. I'm not, what's the point? I can figure that. I need to be too good because the Lord might just take me. After all, he wants an extra flower in heaven. That's what the pastor said. Anybody ever heard any of that? And here are some of the things that they've said after that. And it goes, you know, in line with what they call Calvinism. These days they've masked it a little bit. They don't call it Calvinism. Ultimately they call it Reformed theology. It's the same thing. And what those people believe is that God is the one that's doing bad things in your life. Well, I came to discredit that. God is a good, good father and he is not responsible for all the evil that's happening in the earth. Amen. And so I've heard people say these things. When people go through stuff and, you know, you lose a loved one and so on and so forth, or you lose something or you get sick, or people say this, God is punishing you, you need to learn a lesson from this. And I've heard people say this, this is God's way of teaching you to deepen your spirituality. I've heard people say this, God is testing you, if it doesn't kill you, it will make you stronger. I've heard people say this, you never know what God is going to do. Who can understand the ways of God? I've heard people say this, there's always a reason behind everything God does. And I've heard people say this, we'll understand it better in the sweet by and by. In my, in my own language, in by and by. <laughs> I've heard people say this, the Lord's ways are mysterious. And past finding out. And people say all of this. And what it does is it creates a wrong perception of the true nature of God and who God really is. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if this forms a part of your philosophy or your belief system to approach life, you're going to lose. Because it renders you powerless. It renders you passive. You'll get in the ring and you won't swing as hard as you should because after all, it might be from God. And if I swing hard, I might hit Father God. 
Amen. But if you know that God is good and that the devil is bad, when bad things come, guess what? You gird up your loins and you fight back. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible tells us every good. Someone say good. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness. God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't have good and evil coming out of him. He says to whom there is no variableness of, of turning or a shadow of turning. The only thing proceeding out of God is goodness. And if you're going to win in life, this has to form the foundation of your belief system. You know, whenever we get people to come up here and preach and, you know, we have to pray about whoever we get up to preach, the one thing I'm really looking for is what they believe about the true nature of God. You know, if they believe that God sometimes brings evil, I don't want to hear from them. Because guess what? It doesn't strengthen me. It actually uh, uh, weakens my faith. And so one of the statements that they said uh, is that, you know, uh, a struggle... You know, drama, trauma is, a, is, is God's way of teaching you uh, to deepen your spirituality. How does God teach us? Let's go look in Scripture. Let's go look in Scripture. How does the Lord uh, uh, teach us? But before we do that, uh, let me just show you who's responsible for all the bad and terrible things that are happening in life and in our lives. Let's go to First John chapter number 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter number 3, verse 8. It says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, someone say this purpose. So this reason, right, one purpose is showing us, for this purpose, the Son of God, who might be the Son of God? Jesus. It says, for this reason, this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the what? The works of the So there is a thing in the Bible called the works of the devil. John 10, you know, uh, 10 tells us that the the enemy comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so I meet people all over the world. And I was laughing at Stacy. I was saying, man, I like how you Americans like to uh, romanticize struggle. You ain't seen no struggle. Man, you're talking about you can learn something from it while you have a Chick-fil-A burger on your mouth you talk about learn some come from where i come from and see if you can learn some man you got a government check if you lose your job you got a government check on your door every every month they give you man come from you want to learn from struggle come over here let me show you what struggle is gonna change your doctrine in a minute People get over man, man you, you go get new wine coming out of you you got a chick-fil-a burger on your mouth that's why you talk like that you can't write new wine back from where I came from. Ain't no new wine coming out from the poverty. That, in fact, poverty is such an evil spirit. It'll mess you up. It'll destroy you. Sickness is such an evil spirit. God tells us in Deuteronomy 28 that it, it's on the, the cursed side of the list of what Jesus redeemed us from. And it does not come from God. Man, we were at a hotel in... Um, in, in, in in Los Angeles, in Torrance, Los Angeles, we were at a hotel. And so we went and we got some food. And we were hanging out at the pool. We got some food. My wife and I, uh, uh, Juliet was there with us and our two kids. And we ate our food. And the kids don't really, 
know how to eat you know, food with bones on them, so they were eating reeds, and so they left a lot of the meat there, and I took that food, and I went down and put it next to a trash can, right? Because it was a big container, and I couldn't fit it in the trash can. And one of the ladies that was helping, you know, cleaning up the place, went and took that food. I didn't see her. Julia told us. She went and took that food and went and ate it. Messed me up. I was crying. I ran to my car as, as fast as I could. I went to the ATM crying physically crying. I went and I withdrew money, uh, what I could, and I went and I said to my wife, go give her this money. This is inhuman. Now, if you think that God wanted her to learn something from that, you need to get your checked out. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. And so Jesus came to destroy the what? The works of the devil. He had 5,000 people hungry. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, keep them hungry so they can learn something from this. Yeah. Amen. Just keep them hungry for another day so they can learn. They can, new wine is going to start coming out of them. Jesus didn't say that. He said, feed them. Amen. Man, if, if, in fact, let's go to Hebrews chapter number one. Let's go to, but before we do that. <laughs> Man, I have a lot of scriptures I want to show you. Go to Acts 10, 38. Let's go to Acts 10, uh, Acts chapter number 10, verse 38 in the King James Bible. It says, of how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. You know who else he has anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power? You. He says, God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power. We went about doing good. He has anointed you for good. He anointed him and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So apparently, sickness is an oppression. It's not a learning tool. He says, who were oppressed of the devil. And he went and he set them free. Let's go to James chapter number 1, verse 13. James chapter number 1, verse 13. I want to read it in the Message Bible. Now, all of us are going to get attacks from the enemy. He is going to try and put us under pressure. Man, when he does, the foundation you should stand on is knowing that this is not God. This is not coming from God. This is coming from the devil. And devil, I rebuke you. Get your hands off my wife. Get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my life. Get your hands off my finances. God has equipped you and he has empowered you with the name above every other name. Amen. That is the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee should bow. And he has given to you and I that authority. Man, you can stand and rebuke the devil off of your children. Some of you need to learn to know that God has empowered and equipped you to speak life into your children and rebuke the devil. See, the devil is going to take chances. He's going to get on your kids and, and try to get them to manifest like your uncle. Instead of you saying you're just like your uncle, you know what you should say? I rebuke this demon. I mean, Stacy was preaching last week. What did she say? You know, Stacy was preaching last week. She said, uh, Kyle, who, who I know, Personally, you're starting to act crazy. Kyle went to an expensive school. Kyle was, went to church 52 times in a year. He went to Los Angeles somewhere and he's serving beer as a bartender, making cocktails. <laughs> now, Stacy didn't find someone on the family tree. Oh, yeah, he's just like uh, uh, Uncle so-and-so. No, he didn't. He rebuked that devil off of him. Can I get an amen? amen. Why? Because God has given the authority to the believer to fight back. 
Now, we're not fighting to win uh, uh, the battle. The battle has already been won. We are fighting to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. But we stand that ground and we fight back. Can I get an amen? As it says in the Message Bible, don't let anyone under pressure. You're going to be under pressure. But it says don't give in to evil and say, God is trying to trip me up or it's coming from God. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. Now, is poverty uh, blessed or evil? You can go check on Deuteronomy 28, is sickness blessed or evil? It's evil. And he says when those things come in your way, don't turn around and say it's coming from God because, you know, God is impervious. The word impervious means uh, 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 God is not a channel for these things. These things can't flow through God. And I know some of you are thinking about Job. We're going to go to the story of Job and I'll show you that God is good all the time. He has been good, forever good. He will forever be good. Amen. Amen. God is impervious to evil. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter number 1, uh, verse 3 in the... Uh, let's read it in the New King James Bible. First, and NLT. And uh, New King James Bible. Hebrews chapter number 1. What did I say? Verse 3. Verse 3. Let's go to verse 3. He's talking about Jesus, and he says Jesus, who being, in fact, let's read from verse 2 so we can, you know, get, uh, in fact, let's read from verse 1, because, <laughs> you see, God, as who at various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So this is the context. He's in these last days, you and I live in those days, spoken to us by his son, who might be his son, uh, Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And then he goes on to verse 3. Who being, talking about Jesus, uh, is the brightness of his glory, and watch this now, the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, it says over there, Jesus is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In other words, Jesus is the accurate represent, uh, representation of what God looks like. In fact, that's what it says in the NLT. Let's go to the NLT and see what it says. NLT, it says... Uh, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very, someone say very, the very character of God. So in other words, if you want to know what God is really, 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 really like, you can look at Jesus and you can learn about God's true character. Now, if that's true, at what point in Jesus' ministry while he was here on the earth, did he use sickness to try and get someone's attention? At what point did he use, you know, uh, some sort of life challenge to try and get someone to be born again? And he had several opportunities, good ones. You know, the one time uh, they brought to him, uh, you know, this, this uh, lady, this young lady who was caught in the act of adultery. Not, not the message afterwards on WhatsApp. No. no, no. <laughs> I 
No, they caught her in the very act. Go read it. It says she was caught in the very act. But what's interesting is, where's the man? They brought one person. What happened to the dude? It's a religious spirit. It always, you know, protects a certain group of people and, uh, uh, you know, exonerates a certain group of people. This, you want to know what a religious spirit is in operation? It always pro promotes someone else and degrades someone else. Brought her to Jesus. And Jesus, they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. What shall be done to, to her? Because we know the law of Moses said we must stone her. And so Jesus looked at them and said, uh, uh, whoever has no sin must throw the, fir the first one. You know, kind of like when we were young, uh, you know, if you had a confrontation with someone, some other kid and so on and so forth, they would make two uh, 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 piles of, of sand and say, this one is your mom's uh, bosom. <laughs> and that one is the mom's bosom. And whoever kicks whoever's mom's bosom, it's on. And so Jesus is kind of, Jesus is kind of doing the same thing, right? So Jesus is saying, okay, throw the first song. Man, I grew up in the gutter. It's like, my, my kid didn't know. She was like, she was like yesterday, my kid was asked me, true story. She said, did you play outside or inside? I said, I said there was nothing inside. We played outside. You know, she said, oh, really? With all the sun? Did you wear sunscreen? I was like, I was like, wow. <laughs> sunscreen. <laughs> I don't know what it was, you know? And so Jesus draws the sand, the, the line in the sand. He says, hey, the first one who has not seen, I want you to throw. And in fact, he knelt down, go and read it. He started writing on the floor. And so no one knows what Jesus wrote on the, on the floor. But I believe, this is what I believe, that Jesus wrote their names, the Pharisees, their names, and he started writing, you know, their little uh, uh, girlfriend's names. Uh, uh, Pharisee Joachim, Desh Sister Sledge. He's writing, he's writing. That's what the Bible says. And then when Jesus got up, that's what it says after he finished writing, when he got up, they were all gone. And then he said to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? And then the woman said, I don't know. And she said, well, they are gone and neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more because grace empowers you not to sin. But here's my point in all of this, that this was a perfect opportunity. If God, if God was who people said he is, that he uses uh, uh, struggle and all these crazy things to get people's attention. This was a perfect opportunity to strike the woman with something, lightning or something, leprosy, do something. She was caught in the very act, but what, he doesn't do that. He, he releases goodness. Why? Because that's the very character of God. And so whenever you credit God with bad stuff, and, and you know, I used to do this. Whenever something bad happens in my life, I say, oh yeah, I know. This is just the Lord. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, yeah, I know. I shouted at that person, and now, you know, I'm in an accident. Yeah, it was, yeah, the Lord just, you know, <laughs> after all, I deserve it. Because I didn't have a revelation of grace. And so whenever you credit God with evil, you are going against the true character of God, the very true character of God. Amen? God is impervious uh, to evil. He cannot... 
uh, allow evil to flow uh, through him. And then there's some people that say this. They say, sometimes God allows us to suffer so we may grow spiritually. Anybody ever heard anyone saying that? And so the question uh, uh, that begs an answer is, uh, how do we grow spiritually according to the word? Because all of us want to grow spiritually. And if suffering is the way, then maybe we may have to surrender to that. But according to scripture, how does spiritual growth come? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Now, what I'm giving you is a, is a philosophy that expresses the true nature of God that you should use everywhere you go. You know, I was saying in the first service that uh, my kids are growing, and at one point they're going to go to a university somewhere, and we're going to have to find them a church in that town or whatever. I don't mind finding a, a church where we are, uh, uh, don't agree about, you know, many thousand things that we don't agree about, but I really do mind a church where we don't agree about the true nature of God. I won't let them go to a church where they credit God with evil. Because that's just setting you up for failure. In fact, you get around that bunch, the end thereof is we'll come and bury you. Because you won't know how to exert your authority. You won't know how to fight back. You'll roar with the punches all the way to the grave. Because after all, you would think, you know, it's the Lord. This is the Lord. It came from the Lord. It's a gift for me to grow spiritually. But how does God uh, want us to grow spiritually? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 15. I'm reading in the New King James Bible. It says, and that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Did you see that? He says, from childhood, you have known the Holy what? Struggle. You didn't say that. Did y'all see that? He didn't say you have known the holy struggle. He said you have known the holy what? Scriptures, which are able to make you wise from salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, now here's the truth, guys, is that, you know, if you make a mistake, you know, you can learn something from it. In fact, you should. You know, like I learned, you know, when I bought a car that was way above my pay grade, I learned to live within my means. I learned that. Now, if you go through some and you don't learn something, you know, war unto you. <laughs> That's a Bible. That's a Bible, Bible phrase. You know, you learn something. But, but here's the truth, guys, is that that's not God's best way of teaching his children. God's best way of teaching his children is the Holy Scriptures. Amen? I said Amen. And so it says here, the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Why? Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How do we get equipped for every good work? It's not by going through struggle. It is by going through the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. Amen? If you read the same uh, verse in the NLT, it says this. It says, uh, all Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You want to find out what's wrong with your life? Go into the Word. It will show you. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do the right thing. In the scripture, the Bible is, is uh, instruction for every single part of your life. 
And sometimes we choose to do our own thing. You know, I've talked to a lot of uh, single people, and people come to me, hey, Pastor G, you know, I, I met this person, and, and there's one little uh, a problem. What, what's the problem? They, they're not a believer. Now, what does the Bible say about you being unequally yoked with, with unbelievers? Ah, but Pastor, you know, uh, they're a nice person. <laughs> now, what you're doing there is saying, I don't want to learn through Scripture. I'm going to put that down, and I'm getting ready to learn through experience. <laughs> and guess what? Experience will teach you a little something about it. Oh, yeah, it will teach you. And when you come to us, you say, oh, no, Pastor, you just, oh, no, no. Hey, ha, you didn't do the Bible. Can I get an amen? amen. We're supposed to learn through Scripture. And it's all for my single people. My single people, they always want to, you know, take chances with, with what the Bible says. The Bible says don't marry an unbeliever. It's going to be some drama. The Bible is clear. It says don't do it. But they say, Pastor, you know, we're in the dispensation of grace. You know, I can, I can have some grace. Oh, he's a nice guy. Okay. We'll do it. All right. All right. Okay. If you read in 1 Peter chapter number 2, from verse 1 to 2, watch what it says in the Amplified. He says, so put aside every trace of malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander and hateful speech. But this is what you should do. Like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word. So that by it you may be nurtured and grow. We're talking about spiritual growth in respect to salvation and its ultimate fulfillment. The word is God's instrument for spiritual growth, not the struggle. Now, let's go to John 15. We want to talk a little bit as we close about, uh, Pastor, but, you know, it's the Lord pruning me. What is he really pruning? Let's find out. John 15 from verse 1 to 3. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. And so Jesus is giving us a word picture here. He's showing us some things that would happen in a vineyard, right? They, they have vines, and because vines have weak terms, they put them on trellises, right? And so they hang them on trellises. And what would happen every often is that sometimes the uh, vines would fall off the trellises. And he says when it falls off the trellises, it's stops producing fruit, and when the vine dresser comes, he takes it away. Now, he doesn't mean he rips it off the vine. Because if you rip it off the vine, scientifically, it's going to shrivel up and die. The goal is to get more fruit, right? When he says he takes it away, if you look up that word in the Greek, it's the word arrow. It means he just lifts it, lifts the vine, and puts it back on the trellises, the branch that has fallen off to the ground. And so what he's saying is, when you stop producing fruit in your life, what he does is it, he reminds you of, of your identity, who you are in Christ, puts you back in your true identity. Because the only reason, it's the only reason you're not producing fruit, it is because you have forgotten who you really are in Christ. And by the way, fruit is the only way we can change a generation. Fruit is the only way to lead. And I tell people there's only one way to lead, not many. Yeah. Only one way to lead. And it's called by example. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't show me, sit down. Yeah. 
Can I get an amen? amen. It's the only way. This is why when Jesus was talking about servant leadership, he washed his disciples' feet. You, you, you've got to have some fruit. And the way he does it is if you're not bearing fruit, he's going to come to you and say, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. And he's going to remind you of who you are. What does that do? It lifts you up and puts you back on the trellises. And if you still don't bear fruit, what would happen as well is when the, the, the trees, would, the, the branches would go on the ground, they would gather some dust on them. And so he says, uh, when, when, when he puts you back on the trellises, if you, you want to bear more fruit, he comes to you and he prunes you so that you can bear more fruit. Now, that word prune is not talking about, you know, uh, taking things and ripping things off of you. I say, man, it's pruning season. People go through crazy, man, they just, you want some encouragement? Yeah, it's pruning season. <laughs> your child dies, your child gets sick. You know, your finances are going crazy. And you, you really want to work for No, it's pruning season, brother. The Lord is pruning you. And then there's some crazy ones who just use pruning for, for man, I met this person that couldn't get along with anybody, offense ready. They were offense ready, offended at their fitness trainer, offended at their boss, offended at the women at the church. They told me, they said, I'm offended at those women. Those women think I'm here to take their husbands. <laughs> and then if no one wants to hang around with them. They said, no, the Lord is just pruning away people from, no, the, the Lord is not. You need to learn to get along with people. <laughs> Can I get an Amen. Up in here, up in here. <laughs> You're talking about pruning. My family is pruning me. No, you need to be humble and learn to get along with everybody. Every family get together. You are the one. You. <laughs> anyway, we won't preach about that. Hang on, preach about that. And so the word prune, right, or to purge, is the Greek word katairo. And it's a verb which means to clean. So after the vine dresser, the Lord puts you back in your identity. What he wants to do is to clean, to clean you up. Right? That's what katairo means. It means to clean you up. It doesn't mean to rip things from your life. You know, your cell phone breaks down. Yeah, the Lord is pruning. Your your washing machine. It's like, man, people just think the Lord is this bad mafia boss. That's what people think. They think the Lord is this bad mafia boss. He's out to, man, I'm going to get you. I used to think like that, that the Lord is out to get you. Man, the Lord is out to give you good things. And when it says he prunes, the Greek word is katara, which means to clean. This is why he then says in verse 3, watch what he then says in verse 3. You are already clean or pruned because of the struggle. Because of life challenges. No, you are already clean because of the word word which I have spoken to you. Now, if you read the same verse in the NLT, watch what he says. In the NLT, he actually uses the word prune for those that like, you know, pruning. He says, uh, verse 3, let's go to verse 3. He says, you have already been what? You've already made, if you want to be pruned, yeah. You've already been pruned and purified by the not by the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. 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 Man, people go through all kinds of stuff and they're, they're rolling with the patches. They're passive. And they say, man, pastor, he's just, this, the Lord is pruning me. In fact, some of my friends, they believe in being squeezed. 
so that the, the new wine can come out of them. They want new wine and say, Lord, squeeze me. Like, <laughs> how does the Lord answer that prayer? That's a dumb prayer. Lord, squeeze me. Beat me up, Lord. Beat me up. The Lord is like, man, I don't do that stuff. Amen. Anybody know a cousin like that? Any cousin? Any? Beat me up, Lord. The Lord is like, I can't answer a prayer like that. Crushing. They want to be crushed. And, and it's funny because it's really people who don't know anything about, you know, struggle. They, man, you talk about crushing, driving a BMW. Come on, man. Amen. Jesus came to redeem us from the curse so that we might receive the blessing. Amen. And God's promise for every single one of us in here is long life. And that's his promise. And Jesus uh, paid for it at the cross. If you read again in uh, 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 you know, Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, after you choose life, after you make a choice for life, he tells you there's a length of days. When you, when you get close to God and you love the Lord and you serve him, he says there is a length of days that God promises. Amen? And so we're going to be talking about this and many other things, and we're going to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh and what it is. We're going to talk about the story of Job. Man, I'm telling you, after we're done with this series, you're going to know for sure that God is good and that he's good all the time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for we know that your true nature is love. Unconditional love. We know that your true nature is goodness. We know that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. It comes from above. From the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. I pray now, Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice. I thank you for every family represented here this morning. Lord, I thank you uh, that Jesus already paid for our healing. He bore our sin on that tree. And by his stripes we were healed. And this morning I speak to bodies here. I speak healing right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke any sickness. We rebuke sicknesses right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke uh, organ malfunction. And we say you're not from God. You're not uh, our portion. Be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Is someone with a heart malfunction? Right now, the Lord is giving them a brand new heart. That is God's will for you. As someone with uh, migraine headaches and that causes all kinds of problems to your eyesight, the Lord is fixing that right now, healing you of all your mind. Don't expect them. Expect never to have a migraine another day in your life. Because Jesus already paid for it at the cross. Receive your healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus. And someone else with a kidney that doesn't function uh, properly and it, it gives you lower back pains every now and again, we rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus and we speak to that organ and we say, Be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, receive your healing in Jesus' name. 
someone else, it's a, a, a reproductive system that hasn't been cooperating. You've been trying to have a baby uh, for many, I don't know, months or, or years. Or The Lord is healing you right now. Healing is in the room right now in the name of Jesus. It is done. It is done. Jesus already paid for it 2,000 years ago. And it's time for you to receive it as an inheritance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Someone else is a right knee that has been uh, causing you all kinds of problems. And uh, the doctors think it's um, some sort of uh, gout or, or some sort. The Lord is healing you right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke that spirit. We rebuke that sickness from your knees, from your joints. We say be gone and never to come back again in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for doing it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let me encourage you with this. You know, we, we talk about uh, fighting. We talk about all these different things. I'm not talking about shadow boxing to where you're just, you know, fighting all the time and just swinging and going crazy and stuff. What I'm talking about is realizing the inheritance that you have and that Jesus already paid for and start using it. That's what I'm talking about. I had a friend, uh, a good friend of mine I grew up with. His name is Ishmael. We were playing golf and he was with another guy in front of me and we were behind and he started talking to this guy and uh, this guy, you know, he, he, they started talking about their families and this guy said to him, he said, um, uh, what do you mean you have financial pressure? And Ishmael said, man, man, I have four kids. I have to pay all their school fees and stuff. And uh, the guy looked at Ish and he said this. This is what he said, true story. He said, but that's what uh, trust money is for. Now Ishmael is like, what are you talking about? He said, that's what you use the money that your grandfather left you. Now, Ishmael's like, man, my grandfather be needing something from me right now. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I didn't leave nothing. But it preached to me when he said that to me. The guy said to Ish, he said, man, I, I haven't used my salary since I started working. Because that's what inheritance is for. Now, healing is your inheritance. Don't try to work for it this month. That's what your great big brother, Jesus, left you 2,000 years ago. Don't try to use the healing that you earn yourself this month. Take it. It's a portion of your inheritance that Jesus left you. As ridiculous as that story is, man, it encouraged me to know. Finally, for the first time, I understood what the word inheritance meant. You just go and take. What big brother Jesus left 2,000 years ago. And we enforce it in our lives today. So the fight is to know what Jesus paid for. That's your fight. And if he paid for my peace of mind, guess what? That's the one I'm going to go and withdraw from the trust, trust fund. 
If he paid for my prosperity, guess what? That's the one I'm going to... I don't have to earn it. I don't have to fight. See, a lot of us have been trying to earn it this month and spend it this month. No, you, God hasn't called you to earn it. He has called you to tap into it, to have access in it, but he hasn't called you to earn it. So the fight is to find out what did Jesus pay for. And if he's already paid for it, it's a part of my inheritance. And I'm going to take care of, of, of my inheritance. I will have access to my inheritance. Amen? Now, if you're here and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, you cannot have access to this inheritance without knowing Him personally. Amen? When you accept Him in your heart, you become a part of the family, and as such, you begin to receive of this inheritance. And so if that's you, you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to give you this opportunity to do so. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Uh, we're going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are so we can pray with you uh, uh, this morning and invite you into the family. Nothing to be ashamed of. This is how we all came into the family. Amen. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. Going once. Going twice. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Please lift it up real high so we can see it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to pray this prayer. And uh, my sister, you're going to pray and join in and say these words uh, with me. And afterwards, uh, I don't know, Brenda or Linda, they're going to come and, and talk to you and give you uh, material on how you can get started. But it's simple. Once you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Man, I'm telling you, you become a part of the family and you have access to the inheritance that He paid for. Amen. And so you can say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today. I invite you to come into my heart. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are Lord. That you died. And on the third day, you came back to life. And that you are now seated in heavenly places to come back again for the living and the dead. Today, I choose you, Jesus. I am born again. I am a child of God. I no longer serve the devil. I am a part of the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.